season two, episode two, Gigs and Ghosts. And this week, do I have a guest for you? He lives in a land called Brighton. He is a vocalist in the Barstool Preachers. And welcome at this time, PJ. Panda. Hello, mate. You're spooky dookie, man. Thank you very much. You like my little light? I do, oh. man. I do. Do you like the new uh, Gigs and Ghosts studio? Where are you? Are you just in the cellar? No, this is um, Callum, the wonderful producer. It's his um, garage pub that he's made. Absolutely um, amazing. Was it a lockdown project? Was it a lockdown project? No. No, no, it's just, just, just things. Just, yeah, just I've, I've been drinking with his heart. I've been drunk in here a few times. It's good times. <clears throat> Wicked. What? Callum, is it haunted? Uh, I can't answer that. Callum's what we call it. <laughs> Not yet. He's a, he's a non-believer. Oh, no. Yeah, but anyway, welcome to Gigs and Ghosts, man. Thank like you very so, much, mate. It's season two, which is good. So we, that means we're popular. Popular enough for a second season. So what we're going to do here, TJ, is we're going to start as always, by talking about your music, where you've come from, where you are now, where you're going to go. That's what is your life in music? What is your place? And then from there, we're going to bust on through to the other side and get paranormal and get fucking spooky and talk about all things ghosts. That uh, sounds bloody special. I'm in. Let's do it. But you look fantastic. Uh, have I said that? But you do, you look fucking great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Don't often get asked to do a gigs and ghosts podcast. So, you know, I thought I'd come on and do the, uh, make the, do the bare minimum, really. It's I think we might be on. the only gigs and ghosts podcast in the world, to be honest. Oh, well played, gents. Thank you. Well Thank played. You. So, TJ, you're in the Barstool Preachers, but is this where you began? Tell me your life in music. How did you get into the whole world of music? Just a minnow, dude. Just a minnow swimming up the urethra of overall classic culture. Can't, can't say I did much different to a lot of other people. I think grew up loving music, grew up listening to music in schools in 15 different bands and playing every instrument really shitty. Um, so first ever band I was in was called High Tech Hendrick, which was incredible. We, thank you very much. We were about 13, 14. It was half Blink-182, half Boosh Skits. So it was, uh, it was a wild what, sorry? Like Boosh skits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And half the Mighty Boosh. Oh, wicked. It was, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, there's probably some really dodgy recordings laying around somewhere. I and now see. we're in a band called The Johns. Yeah. Who were, who were just called Johns beforehand. It was Jack, Ollie, Neil and Sam. So, so not I, one uh, John I, in the band? Not one John in the band. I joined The. I became The The. Um, yeah. So that were, that were fortunate. Yeah, um, and that was when I really sort of started to cut my teeth. We did, uh, we won like a South England Battle of the Bands and played some half decent sized stages. Didn't really tour much or, or sort of get out there too much in terms of like you know doing what the Barstool Preachers do. But we were we were playing and we were sort of writing regularly, and that's where that's where I properly fell in love with it. Then yeah. I did nothing for for years and years and years, and I was away traveling around and scuba diving and doing this, that and the other. And then moved to Brighton eight years ago um, and just sort of met Bungle, fell in love with Big Green Giant. Wonderful. And then, uh, and then wrote some songs from there, yeah. Well, I was looking into it. Weirdly, I thought the first time I met you was when you played The Parish the first time. But nay, 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 this is not true. I, also, I found Where it all. I was going through my scrapbook, because I keep a scrapbook of old, all things Shiraz. 
half a and door. And one of them, it says, The Underworld. And it was a punk rock all day. I think it was like the Human Project on there. It was Our Ray Good Band. Selves. And he also saw your name, The Bastard oh. Preachers. So that must have been 2015? Could have been. 2016? Because we came to the parish quite relatively early, didn't we? Yeah, you, yeah. You snappled us and put us in the barn well early and we loved you for it. So uh, <laughs> that must have been 2015, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember because uh, it was uh, Ian Armstrong who uh, put it all together and he got me to design the poster. And then the poster <laughs> was in fucking Kerrang! And I was like, I need that poster. I'm Kerrang famous, man. I fucking love that. He would do anything not to do a job himself that fast. Oh, big I, time. Big time. Love him. Um, <laughs> what was what was the poster of? Do you remember what was the? It uh, was, was um, it was Krampus. Yeah, I did it on Comic Life Magic because I don't know how uh, Photoshop works. Yeah. And it was yeah, and, and yeah, I was just like going, ah, look at that, Basel Preachers. Most of the bands now who were on that lineup broken up because bands just quit yeah. nowadays. I know, well, I know Human Project recently as well, eh? Yeah, just a few days ago. That's a pity. Oh, that's Isn't a heartbreaker. That's a yeah. very talented band. Yeah, really good band, like English propaganda and a very attractive, yeah, very attractive singer, Johnny. Very attractive, handsome. very handsome, handsome. Yeah, catches yeah. the eye, doesn't let it go. He does, he does. Oh. He gives uh, me what I call a lazy lob on. I love that. Just a gentle diesel, you know. What yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, are, you, are you joining me for a drink today? I am indeed. I am currently staring at a red stripe, which is now covered in uh, in black lipstick. Nice, nice, nice. So, yes, so Barstool Preachers started, and this has been your life now. It's been your life for how many years? Eight, did you say? Eight eight years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, eight years. And you've done a fucking lot in eight years, man. It's it's very impressive to see. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much. It's been a, um, it's been graft. You know, we've all kind of put a shift in and and done the miles, but I think we've done more than um, we thought we would at this point, definitely. Yeah. You know, when we started, we had no ambitions of, of doing anything apart from ticking some childhood boxes off. So going to America, uh, playing a stadium, all that sort of stuff was was all just, let's see if it happens. You dreams. can't just uh, nonchalantly say, you know, yeah, I went to America, played a stadium, you know. That that was it though, man. It, it didn't, you know, they were, they were bucket list things. So if we'd have done them 20 years after we started the band, I think yeah. we still would have been pretty stoked about it. You know, the fact that we've done it in eight years, uh, yeah, he's, he's just down to a bit of luck and a bit of hard work. Well, yeah, it's like you are a hard-working band. I was talking to Carl about it, like uh, how you all put the work in. You all, you all have jobs to do. Like if you're doing a tour, each member of you will focus on different towns and push it and stuff yeah. like that. And it's really Absolutely. good to see because a lot of bands uh, just expect it to come to them and you don't, which is good. I think there's there's two obviously two ways of doing things. You can release singles time and time again, hope one of them catches, and then still do other stuff with your life. Or you can try and turn it into a career, try and turn it into a job, you know? And that's kind of, a lot of people say keep the two things separate, but I can't think of anything better than jumping in a van, going to a town, playing a show, having a drink with your mates and someone going, there's 100 quid. I've left boxes for 100 quid, do you know what I mean? Like, I've, yeah. we, we've we all done and we all do sort of very normal jobs. So bungles are chippy. Gibbs and I were in removals for As in, bar, works you know? in a chip shop. As in, he's a carpenter. <laughs> yeah, because he yeah, lost, he lost, he's always losing his fingers. 
<laughs> his little finger he did a week ago, so classically, that's a week before tour, two weeks before tour. And then he uh, he cut off most of his middle finger, didn't he? Uh, he did. Just before we came to you last time, I think it was. Yeah, it was in Blackpool, I saw the picture. Mm, yeah, minging. Yeah, minging. But yeah, he's, he's a carpenter, which is which is stupid, but here's what it is. But just we, like um, Jesus' dad. Just, just like Jesus and Jesus. Wasn't Jesus also a carpenter? No, he was he a plumber. He was a plumber. Plumber. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, yeah, that tracks. That tracks. Your toilet's fine. Would you know yeah. what? Look, I'm step, step my foot in it. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, you go to the toilet and then he's turned it to wine. So you oh, just I was about to say, it and now it's wine. So what do you do for a job? Nowadays, I suck the corporate teat and do some marketing work. Yep. Um, but for forever a day, I did removals. Uh, and that was just because we were on tour so much that you come home and, and sort of need to put some cash in your pocket. So we do that for, for a couple of years. Gibbsy got me into it. Yep. So he owes me two vertebrae. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's still doing some of that. He got into, um, what do they call it? I was going to say he's transitioning, but he's not. That's the wrong thing altogether. Transposing songs for other people. So he does a bit of that on, on the side now. So Sweet. before... Before the big plague flew, we were in a position where we'd all we'd all chuck, you know chucked in our day jobs. We were all like, you know, let's let's just do this full time. And yeah. At the point we were living um, in this property guardianship in Brighton, so Gibbs was and Tetley was in a band. Also used to live there, so three of us out of the six all lived in this same legal squat. <clears throat> so we didn't have to have much money. We could just tour and, and come back and hang out, and that was great. And then uh, yeah, then the big pause. So after yeah. that and during that, we had to kind of go back to work and, and take whatever jobs we could. But now, fucking roads opening up again. We're we're yes, yes. saw a bunch and here we go. Yeah, it's like it's I'm not what you call a jealous person, but you made me really fucking jealous. Yeah, you've played stadiums, couldn't give a shit. But the one, two of my favorite bands in the whole wide world. That I've got tattooed on my body, and you did a tour with both those bands at yeah. once—the Bronx yeah, and I the know. Bouncing, Bouncing Souls. Souls. That was a fucking mental tour. That was fucking mental. We hung out with Pete. <clears throat> he came to see us. We were on the um, way back when we were talking to Street Dogs, one of our first tours in America. <laughs> and Pete, being being the legend that Pete is, was just out at our show in Asbury Park. He, he knew a buddy of ours. And at the end of the night, Pete was like, "You guys want to come back and just hang out in my basement?" And we were like, "Fucking yeah." So I went back to his house. We were ripping some bongs and drinking some whiskey. And he was like, bleary-eyed, I'm going to take you guys on tour. And I was like, okay, Pete. Like, yeah, whenever. <laughs> like, All right. Cheers, mate. And then they put together this tour. He called me out of blue and he was like, I wasn't shitting around. Like, you've got to come on this tour. So getting able to watch them. And then, I mean, the, the Bronx, the Bronx are, are probably, probably the best live band in the world. Oh, like, 100%. Uh, 100% uh, the best but, live uh, band. Well, Mr. Shiraz. Bronx, yeah, that's it. Bouncing no souls. Uh, you, you guys are in that too, you know. I, I it's a, to even be a, a, a freckle on the ball sack of the same Leo sort of thing as the Bronx is is wonderful. Yeah. Like they have so much flipping power. Like when when Matt, I, I I'm a, I, I get a hard on for front people, right? So like it's great. You can play the bass, very impressive. Well done, even to Mr. Flea. I'm very impressed by you. Well done, yes, sir. Insect. But like for me, if I'm watching a band. I'm watching the front person. I'm watching, you know, what they're doing, how they're delivering, like, and and Matt just Matt Cochran just is is he's, he's like he's like breed. Not not to use the, the word, but he's like a preacher. How he talks to the crowd, yeah. how how he owns the crowd, how he owns a room. 
it's, it's the energy, man. It's like yeah. this, this transferable energy that he, he you know, he's not going to stay on stage. But if he's not feeling it, he's going looking for it. You know, yeah. and I, I get the vibe that even when they started and they were playing in front of 200, you know, 200, 250 people, I, I get the impression that he was still doing that then. You know, he was always, he's always been in their faces. I didn't see the Bronx for, or ages, obviously they've been going a while, but like I only saw them for the first time maybe a year before we toured with them. Yeah. So like, that wasn't a band I grew up on at all. So they, they were, it was such a flipping lovely surprise to see them, uh, to see them go. Yeah. Have you had them? Have you had them? Uh, I've had the, uh, at the old parish, I had the Bronx twice and Mariette Shell Bronx once and I had what? Bouncing Souls there as well, so. What? Yeah, it's like, with the Bouncing Souls, it was one of those things where I was like, as a promoter, if I ever get to book the Bouncing Souls, I'm just going to retire. <laughs> then I woke up one morning and there was an email. It, just, it was The headline was The Bouncing Souls. I was like, no way. No fucking way. So we got it booked and what a lovely bunch of dudes. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely guys. Absolutely superb guys. When when was this? Oh, when was about sir? Was it 15? 15, 16? Shit. Yeah. Could have been 2016 or 2017. And then I got off of them That's... again just before um, lockdown. But I already had a stupid fucking gig booked in with some shitty band. <laughs> That I couldn't move. I was so pissed off. So they put it up at oh, Bruno instead. I but, well uh, for doing that. Uh, Greg, like, uh, go on. Yeah, Greg from the Bouncing Souls. He's going to be a guest this season, actually, on Gigs and Ghosts. No way. Well, because he's he's a great artist, and uh, we both follow each other's art pages. And I just mm. uh, sent him a drunken message one night, going, "Come on!" And he was like, "Yeah, why not?" So banging. Are you are you surprised at how often that works when you just? Like reach out to people and they come back and go, yeah, you go. Oh, in every part of my life and career in music, it's always <laughs> been the same. I go, come on, and then every something they go, all right, why not? Why not? I was, you've got a good face for a come on. Yeah, come on, man, come on. Yeah, but so you've got a new album coming out. We do, we do. I don't know when this is gonna. This is gonna air. Maybe on the on the haunted publication if we can get it on there for the twenty fifth. Yeah. So yeah, if that's the case. New album comes out in a week. Comes out thirty first of March. Oh, are you excited? Ooh, yeah, very excited. Very excited. The the reaction to the singles has been has been wicked so far. There's been yep. a few people I think that have, have been like, "This is change. Don't you dare." Don't, change how, is good, man. Change is good. Levy change of me, sir. Yeah. Um, by expecting a lot more hate mail from Lighthousekeeper, none of that materialised. So great. Lighthousekeeper, uh, yeah, a fucking tune, man. It's a, it's a, it's an irons in the air sort of one. I can't wait for people to know the lyrics and just sort of, you know, fucking yeah. just tear, tear it. We've, well, with each one of your singles, I've, um, I've done, I've like straight away just had a listen, see what it's like, and the lighthouse keeper was not what I was expecting to hear, and it was a wonderful surprise to hear it, man. Perfect, man. Well, thank you very much. That was a, um, a lot of fun doing that. You know, so far out of our comfort zone. That, um, yeah, yeah, it was a different process altogether. Yeah, just you and a piano. And, like, how did that song come about? What, what was so the we were, behind? It was a rock and roll song for, for a little bit first. So I wrote it on the acoustic, and then it was it had this sort of postman part lead line. And it was fun, but that was only because it was sort of fitting to the acoustic. And then Ben Hanna, you know, the, the, the great Ben Hanna, the man that is, yes, yes. Um, sent me a message before we went into the demos, which turned into the real album, and was like, 
I think we should do two versions. And I was like, well, I think you should go fuck yourself because, you know, this is my, this is my song. You should get in, get in the fucking bin. He was like, what about if we kind of tried to leave as much space as possible? Because um, we'd been messing around with a, a piano intro in, in the, the pre-pro before to try and give the album some breathing room. But yeah. then when, when he heard that, he was like, let's, let's, uh, let's commit to it and see what happens. Um, and then on that night, Dr. Carl was feeding us all mushrooms. Um, <laughs> and we turned, turned all the lights off in, in the Waterloo, yeah. uh, press record and, and took it live. It's just me and Alex Hay, the, the pianist. Uh, and we literally just sort of, sort of stood a foot apart from each other, delicately tripping balls and, <clears throat> and then took the track. That's good. To, uh, you, <laughs> the fact that you were tripping as you recorded it, that, that, that's special, man. That, that's oh, dude, it, it was... It was right on the cusp. It was when you start sort of joining the, the, the lampshade up to the middle of your chest. You know, yeah. when, you're, when you're in that space and you're like, okay, this, this could be a little bit of magic. Let's have some fun. Yeah, that's some Jim Morrison shit right there, man. Yeah, it could have been, been horrific. I just, woke just up the next day. And, <laughs> just a video of you both naked screaming at each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Riding I mean, on the floor, cuddling eels. Oh, this is great. <laughs> this is the future. Well, you know Mr. Joe Tilson of Random Hand. Oh, very, very well. I love that yeah. man. Uh, I saw him one night naked screaming many well, years ago. Tell me the story. Was it a ghost or was it actually Tilston? <laughs> it was Tilston. We were in uh, Kettering and uh, they'd played a gig. I was out with them selling merch and we just got smashed in Kettering afterwards and you just sleep in this pub where they made <laughs> some fucking awful food. And I just remember him being completely naked and doing, doing forward rolls and cartwheels and shit. So oh, like compass mentis. Yeah. Just wow. just really drunk. What a guy. I made, I made him eat a full bowl of mayonnaise on that tour. Brilliant. Yeah. It's got a thing called the shiny pound game, which I like to play a lot. And I, I shiny pound him to eat a full bowl of mayonnaise, and it was a case of him going, I fucking love mayonnaise, I'll piss this. <laughs> and he got that first spoonful in his mouth, he could see the regret in his eyes. <laughs> Oh, we, this is thick. Yeah, we left Ooh, that rip. we left that little cafe that morning, and he just puked in the in the drain. That's the best thing for a belly full of mayonnaise, really, isn't it? That's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it was vegan mayonnaise as well. So as it as it should be, as yeah. it should be. There you go. If there's hey. anyone called Carl Carl watching, as it absolutely should. Be. Yeah. <laughs> is it is he Carl vegan? Carl, I don't know. Just not not heard him <laughs> say it. I've never seen maybe, him. Maybe yeah, maybe. I was wondering why you that questioned. Cat. I've definitely not questioned my uh, my vegan morals a bunch of times, and then sort of a sudden, you in, in your mind's eye, you see Carl's face, just really disappointed that you, you've even considered eating a bit of cheese. You're like, okay, I'll go, I'll go back to my chicken nuggets that aren't chicken. <laughs> Quorn nuggets are pretty fucking good, though. They are, but they've still got egg in them, so you've got to eat the rawsoms, which you know, as a, as a turkey dinosaur generation, I uh, I'm into. That's good. But uh, let's go back to the album instead of talking about naked Tilsons and vegan bearded men. I think that if we could ever write an album that encapsulated naked Tilsons and vegan bearded men, that would be that would be a better conversation. That would be, be a better world. Well, maybe the next uh, album could be like a, a concept record and it could all be about that, you know. I'm so, so into that. <laughs> It'd be beautiful. So, uh, have you got any ambitions of what you want this album to do? You know, do you want are you gonna go top ten and tour for the rest of your lives with it? Or so we it can't 
I mean, it could, but it won't chart because we're we're with an American label, and then like counting up all the numbers from the tour. So a lot of our sort of focus is going to be the states again uh, this year and next year. Yeah. So we're going to do some killer UK tours, but our main ambition is to get out. And there's so much more of America that we haven't tried to do and see yet. So we need to do that. There's those places in the UK we need to get to for the first time, like Aberdeen or whatever. But um, the, the the idea isn't for it necessarily to chart in the UK. Yeah, we've already done a bunch of, of copies on a pre-sale, so everybody's happy, the label's happy, and we're happy, and you know it's already done better than we were sort of hoping it would. Uh, yeah. But to be honest, man, I've, I've got, <laughs> I've got no ambition. You're a liar. You're a liar. No, it, it will be, it will be what it is. At this, at this point, the of this bolting horse, what the fuck can I do? You know what I mean? It comes yeah. out in, in in ten days, and if it if it does its thing and goes well, then great. If it touches the art of a couple of people and doesn't do much else, then also great. You yeah. know, the only thing for me is like, I don't know if you feel the same as a writer and as a as an artist as well. But like, what I don't want is to work on is diminishing returns. Like for me, during the creative process, so like I want to get enough out of this album to still be fired up to do a solo album and another Barstool Preachers record. You know, yeah. and like have the continual stokage just happen rather than feel like, you know, I've released something and it's fallen on, on, you know, deaf ears or whatever. I get I mean, there, there from, yeah. I've been there. Our second, oh, mate. our second album, which Carl, which Carl was on. Uh, That's why then. Oh my, yeah. it was a, it was a whole fucking thing. It took forever to record like years. Mm. So we kept on having to restart it and all this sort of shit. And then the first album done all right. So I ordered like, thousand copies and it came all these boxes I'm like this is gonna be wicked that album flopped harder than <laughs> anything in the world i remember moving out of my apartment a few about a year and a half later and i was moving everything out and going to the skip with 984 cd because no, just, no. just oh, after sacrilege. oh yeah we released that album it did shit as as you bought one thank you Carl. Was uh, it, but then, was, um, was it good no, really no. I mean, there's, there's, there is some good songs on there, but Bill and Sin's a tune. Get, yeah, there was it, get, like my dad likes Anchor Anarchist. Yeah, he would do. Yeah, but yeah, it was like one of those things where you know Carl left not long afterwards. We won't say why. <laughs> my fault. Uh, and then um, Rob, as drummer, he got really ill and had to leave. So we got new members in, and then it was a case of let's not play any of his old songs anymore. Let's make the band feel like they're part of it. Write new shit. Yeah. yeah, best best thing we ever did. But yeah, fuck that album. I'd like a I'd like a copy of that album. I've probably got if, some somewhere. If they're knocking around, so my old man when when they first made, um, I think it was Shock Troops, they hmm. literally had hundreds of them turn up to their house, and exactly the same story. No one bought them, yeah. so they were they were frisbeeing them down the end of the garden. They were using them for target practice. You know, putting them up around the garden, hitting footballs at them. Just literally throwing them away as, as if they were nothing. And now, fucking, they go for like 300 quid a pop. So maybe your second album's going to be your, your fucking swan song. People are going to come all the way back around to it and go, oh, where are these? These are giant kneecap <laughs> like, fucking... I mean, it had a fucking cool cover. It was like an octopus man kissing a real woman. Love that. Love that. Is it on Spotify? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. If it's on Spotify, get in. I'm putting it in. Yeah, get in there. I'm having it. Don't you worry about that. I'm going to mess you after. Nice one, nice one. Uh, so, and was it and was it Carl's fault? Just between, between us, you know, just between us, friends. Right. Is I'm going to tell you about one, one song on there, which he's like, I've got this fucking great idea for a song. 
And like, wicked. And then he played it for us. And all I could think was, that's 100% a Biffy Clyro song. He was listening <laughs> to a lot of Biffy Clyro. But we put it on the album. And then everybody who listened to it was like going, that's a Biffy Clyro song. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, if that yeah. album had ever done anything, Biffy Clyro would be very angry and would be very poor. There you go. There you go. Stupid, ah. stupid girl. But, um, stupid Biffy Clyro. Uh, I want to hear a tour story. Give me some tour stories. Uh, okay, we've had, a, we've had a few good ones. Um, when we were touring with Sotenhausen, yeah. we, because for the, and we'd always done like, you know, 10 dates in Germany and then four dates in Holland or something because we just were getting paid 50 quid a night. So we had to keep it as close as we could. Yeah. So when we were touring with them, <clears throat> it was going from big city to big city. And, <clears throat> excuse my frog in the throat. And every night we'd have to buy a new block of hash. So there was the the celebrity chef. His name's Ollie. Who used to run the backstage bar. Yeah. He uh, he knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy. So every night we'd, we'd buy this block of hash, and we'd have to leave countries the next day, and we had no time to smoke it. So we did our best on them. And after about the third or fourth day, I was like, I'm running out of money because I'm spending it all every other night on a new block of hash. Like, yeah, yeah. this is ridiculous. So I get in the car in the van, but didn't tell anyone. Still got a block of hash in my pocket crossing the old Swiss border. And uh and we get to the border and, and everyone that anyone's done it will, will know that you know that's a, a pretty, pretty strict one. And you, you we got to the Swiss border and the guy pulled us all over and then I'm start I start to you know sweat. I'm like, brilliant, this is fantastic. So I've got a pack of Jakemans in in the door of the van. So I'm sitting co-pilot and I've got a pack of Jakemans in there. So I take one of the wrappers out, pop the cough suite in, wrap it back up in the wrapper back down into the into the thing. Now, in this bag, there's probably four, maybe five Jakemans. <laughs> we get out. Um, I haven't told anyone, obviously. I'm riding the old panic train thinking, uh, this is it. This is this is a very polite midnight express about to happen. I'm going to get, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get touched and then weighed out in gold. Mm. Nazi, Nazi gold. Um, so we, we got to the, we got to the border and he got everyone out of the van and they're there. They've got, they've got like geezers with, with glorified earbuds and they're dusting for, I don't know, some sort of Agatha Christie murder. And we're, we're sort of all standing up in a, in a line. And Bungle's there, aren't you? Like, Who's the driver? Bungle's there, a teetotal bung, legend. Always good to have one in the van. And yeah. um, he, he goes over to the, to the cop and the cop was like, who's driving? Who, what's this? Whose bag is this? Blah, blah, blah. And he pulls up his pack of Jakemans. He went, what's this? And Bungle was like, bonbons, mate. Like, for the throat, you know, like, bon- bonbons. Yeah, uh, don't know where he put it out from, but I loved it. Uh, <laughs> and the guy puts his hand in, takes one of them out, unwraps it. He's like, smells it, smells like eucalyptus and licorice, all right, whatever. Wax it back in the bag, puts it back in. I'm sitting again. He's got a 20% chance of pulling out a fucking five grams of hash here. <laughs> <laughs> I, could be in, I could be in serious, uh, serious trouble. So that's always one of my favourite memories. Uh, I think one of the others was Rebellion. Um, have you seen that scene in Family Guy where they drink the Ippocat and they're all just like projectile oh, vomiting? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So before we went on, for some reason, it must be that fine blackball cuisine. But mm-hmm. before we went on, I, uh, I just started feeling a bit grotty. So halfway through the set, I have to run off stage and vomit into a bin come back on, you know, finish the last three or four songs or whatever, but progressively feeling worse. And this is like our first closed down set of Rebellion. So there was you know, a few thousand people in the Casbah, right, last thing at night. And they, they were the last band on. And at the end of the show, I was like, thank you, good night. Sprint off stage. I'm then projectile vomiting, like, 
<laughs> like a sprinkler across the backstage bit. Vomiting and found this bin, vomit into this bin, and Bungle comes out and he's like, "Shut the fuck up!" I'm like, "That seems like an inappropriate response to your to your best mate who's who's clearly dying." And he's like, "No, seriously, for a second, just shut the fuck up." And leaving the doors of the venue and singing all the way through Blackpool, you could just hear them all going, "Whoa, Barstool Preacher!" As they were just leaving and and sort of pissing off into the northern night, and that was uh. That's another memory that so, yeah, I've, a, a I've nice memory with a nasty one. You've got snot pouring out your nose, vomit coming out your throat, oh, but you can hear them singing, singing for you. Just, just, I, for, I just for the, just for bungle. Shut the fuck up and listen. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> Weirdly, I projectile vomited at Rebellion Festival as well. But mine's nice, because, nice. Yeah, mine's because uh, we'd smuggled a load of peyote back from our American tour, <laughs> and I thought that was the perfect time to take it. Was not. Was it before or after playing? Oh, after. Okay. Yeah, because right. it's one of those things where we were like, we don't need a hotel, we'll sleep on the beach, forgetting it's fucking Blackpool, <laughs> you're not sleeping on no beach. So we had to sleep in the car on the first night, and on the second night, this old drummer had a hotel room, and because I was off my tits on Peyote, he's like, sneaked me into his hotel, and I was tripping balls, freaking out, so much so, he went back out and left me alone, that uh, the owner of the... <laughs> <laughs> the bed and breakfast opened the door and Pete didn't see what was going on. I'm just there, eyes wide, <laughs> in the darkness, zooming over my head. <laughs> what is this? Good old Blackpool. Fucking love I'm Blackpool. Fine, yeah, yeah, he's got some character. Yeah, he, I can't hear you. What the fuck? <laughs> Hello! Recording in progress. Hello, oh, there he goes. Oh, he fell over. He fell, fell over. over. That was a ghost. That was a ghost. Yeah. Is it, see? Yeah. That was a litter of wind. That was Billy. He was there. So, TJ, this is what's going on now. We've been talking about music. We've talked about your life in music. We've talked about what's coming up in your life. But now, this is where shit's going to get spooky. We're going to talk about ghosts. I'm not fucking about here, Mikey. Well, let me... I've come, I've come oh, prepared. I'll... I'm going to ask you a question. Go on. TJ, do you believe in ghosts? Yes. I know what I saw, Mikey. You know what you saw? I know you what I like, saw. You sound like the sort of man who's going to go straight in and tell me a ghost story. Listen, there's, there's time for it. There's time for it. I, do I believe that ghosts are... Design to interact and whatever. No, do I think that it's uh, potentially a, a, an echo of energy throughout space-time continuum as we pass towards a ripple around the sun and we meet things that have a lot of energy? I don't know, man, but I know what I fucking saw. You know, like it, it, there's there's been stories in in my family. There's been stories that my parents have had happen to them and my sister, and it's one of those ones for me that there's just so much. Corroboratory, yeah, corroborate where it is. It's evidence that yes, of course, I, I absolutely believe. That's good to hear, man, because I am a big believer in ghosts. I know what I've seen, I know what happened to me over the years. I live in a horn house now. And I don't know if you've uh, tuned into any of the past episodes. I've talked about Jeffrey, my house ghost, who uh, he uh, turns on taps in the night, he knocks on doors, he does all sorts of spooky shit. This week, yeah. he did something new. What did he do? I'll tell you what Jeffrey did, the bastard man. I went out with a dog. I came back with the dog. 
And I was like, hmm, something seems weird. I went into the kitchen. All my hobs were on. No. No, yeah. Jeffrey, that's that's one too far. You don't understand. I mean, it's dangerous. You can knock on doors. That's fine, but there's a, there's a cost of living crisis. Fucking hell, man! You know that that's, yeah. that could cost a fortune. But yeah, it's like I, I hadn't cooked that morning, but the hobs were on all four. All, I to, all I've four. Got, of them. Yeah, like I've got a favorite hob, front right. So that's yeah. that's what I use. Not but all four were on, glowing that's, red. That's uh, that's that's dangerous. You need to have some sort of word with Jeffrey. I feel like you know that's that's not like him turning the thermostat up. That's um, you know, th- th- there's repercussions to that. There is, there is. I mean, I did my usual, Jeffrey. But luckily, <laughs> I've uh, as of yesterday, my house is now sold. The uh, lovely family who bought it, I did not tell them about the ghost. That's you've not told them. You're gonna have, no, no, no. You're gonna have to tell them. I don't think I want to. You've got to tell them. Otherwise, no. you're that guy. You're that guy in the film that doesn't tell them. You know, like. Yeah, the thing is though, uh, I, I moved into that house two years ago. I think we bought it. And when I go look at any house, I ask two questions: What's your spider situation? And is it hard? They sorry, said not many spiders. That was true. They also said, "Nah, no ghosts. Liars. Liars." <laughs> Lies. Well, fair enough. You're you're perpetuating Jeffrey's curse. I'm into that too, you know. Yeah. Let him be a surprise, a pleasant, pleasant burning down the house surprise for the next people. God, I'm worried about my dog now. He's at home alone. Mm-hmm. No, he can't be bad. He was with me. Anyway, he could be I, cooking. I want to know what you saw. You tell me. So I saw uh, I saw an old geezer with a young boy walking down the hallway at my at my mum and dad's house, walking away from me. I had the door open. And they walked up the uh, they walked up the hallway, and like heavens to Betsy, I know I saw it. It was a completely different sense of of understanding. You know what I mean? It wasn't when my nan died. She came and sat on the end of my bed and had a conversation. Now, how much of that is a, a projection and a you know an emotional cry, or whatever? I don't know, but I don't know. I have no reason to see this old man and this young boy walk down the hallway. I have, I know I don't have a you know. Uh, uh, an emotional overlay, so I don't fucking know. Uh, what was, what parents, was your reaction when you saw old man and said boy? Totally calm, just completely calm. Really? Yeah, they, they weren't threatening. There was nothing. There was nothing happening. My sister saw uh, a young girl when she was staying. At, I mean, in fairness, my sister gave an off her tits at the time. She was at uh, a <laughs> UEA in Norwich, and uh, she said that she she. Uh, she they turned to save her money, they turned the downstairs living room into her bedroom, and like she had a double bed in there. And she had all these photos up around the room like, thinking that she printed out of all family and mates and probably Hanson. And um, it's like one night she woke up and there was a, a young lady sort of just walking around perusing, just having a look at all the photos and that sort of stuff. Again, no, no arm meant, I don't think. My mum and dad's old flat now that there was some, there was some Jeffrey Hobb action. Turned all the thermostats up, middle of summer. Turned thermostat all the way up and shut all the windows. Again, coming back to that. Polar bears are starving. They're coming back to that. Um, they also had one of the old ovens, you know, ones with the, the, the handle. When you have to give it some and lift it up because there's, there's a two-layer thing with the furry felt bit. And it used to take them effort to do it. And he said, like, one day we started banging like that. Oh, I don't like that. No, That's not no. the scariest one, Mikey. 
this is this is this is the one that kept me up as a child and you know maybe maybe they embellished but i'm 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 prone to believe it they said they had a party and they bought one of those lovely hi-fi systems that had a at the time you know the big old stacks that used to get and every one was was now a button on your phone but every one was a, an individual tiny little unit and they had one where you plug a microphone in and record to record to tape so they thought, oh, let's have a party, record it in the background, tell everyone it's happening and just sort of have some fun and listen back the next day. So they put it on and forgot about it. When I went on their merry way, everyone comes around, they have a night. Next morning, wake up, bleary-eyed, go, oh, wait, let's listen to that. So in the background, you can hear the party and it's happening and it's 10% volume. And over the top of it, you've got a woman screaming, Help me, help me, somebody save my baby. What? They're, the all, they're all freaking out, right? They're all sat around going, no, this is this is this is too much. This is this is off. So my dad goes down to the local library and he checks for like radio times and stuff, see if there could be any interference happening from the radio or whatever. Um, and like nothing happened. And then one day they asked one of their old neighbours and they said that there was a fire originally in the building that happened that was there before. And a woman and a baby were on the, the top floor flat, which is where mum and dad used to live. Uh, and they, they both unfortunately died in the fire. And they said they fucking, that was it. That kept me awake for most of my formative years. Ooh, ooh, that, that scared the shit out of me, man. My hairs are up. My hairs are up. Yeah. That's. Awful. Did you ever hear the recording? No. So classic, I was like, where is it? Is it in the loft? I'm going. You know, give me a headlamp. I'm there. Uh, and they said that, well, mum said that it's in a box that was at my old nan and granddad's house. So, you know, well, oh, one day, if it ever comes to light, I'll share it with you. Yeah, well, I kind of want to hear it, but I also really don't. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you'd have to hear it, wouldn't you? If yeah, you, yeah, if big it, time. If I mean, found it, you'd have to the, amount, it, the amount of ghost videos I watch, I've talked on this about, like, Nuke's Top 5 on YouTube is, is my favourite. Uh, but me and my friend Johnny Sellers, when a new episode's up, we message each other, and he's like, the new one came up the other week, and he's like, watch it, man, watch it. So I was like, I'm going to watch it, but it's night time. So I watched the first <laughs> video of the 10 that he showed on this episode, and I was like, watch this in the morning, because it, it's just, it was so scary, like, it turned my shit white. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, tell me, tell me, lay on me. What did you get? Oh, man, well, it's just, I can't even, oh, it, it was something like the, the story you were just saying about, you know, save, someone screaming, saying, save my baby. And it was a guy who'd been on a fishing trip, and he's outside a public toilet, uh, just filming, and he could hear this woman just blood curdling, screaming, help me, help me, from the toilet. Somebody help me, and it's so loud. And he runs into the toilet. You can hear her screaming, but the toilet empty. Oh. Oh. I didn't like it. So I was like, I'll watch, I'll watch it tomorrow morning. So I watched it in the morning. And then the other nine were also very scary. But I can't watch that shit alone in the dark. Do you have a favourite? Do you have a favourite? I'm not sure if you've been asked this before. I'm sure you must have been on, on the show. But do you have a favourite ghost or a favourite story that, or a favourite photo even? I have a photo. Have oh. you got your phone on you? Uh, I've got my laptop. Well, see this T-shirt wearing here, the attack from Florida yep. with a ghost on. Um, uh, the guitarist from that is a good friend of mine, Brad. Uh, well, I was in Orlando. We were chatting one night about ghosts, and he was saying 
how he's uh, never been a believer, but he was staying in a haunted hotel on a video chat to his missus. So I'm just going to find it on here. Do it, do it, do it. I'm, yeah, and, I'm in. And on the video chat, something appeared behind him. And she sent it him, and he showed me this picture, and it was awful. It was just awful. Ooh. Oh, my back's gone. I'm just waiting for it. Oh, yeah. My app. Yeah, no, I've got it here, man. I've got it here. Uh, there we go. That should be sent to you. Have a look at this picture. I want your reaction. All right. Hang on. Oh, no. Get, no. Yeah. No. Spat half a foot off the floor, bless her. Yeah. Looks like she wears some sort of lace up. That's all. No. No, thank you. Hair up in the bun. I've not shown the people at home this picture, but I like to show each guest because I want to see people's reactions. And every time it's that reaction, man. Well, so. yeah. They've nailed, she's nailed it. <clears throat> she's got a haunting down to a fine art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, a gentle hover. Uh, I always like say, you know, if people have got ghost stories at home, I, I want to hear them. And uh, people send them me, and I've had some great ones through. Uh, this Brilliant. week. This week, uh, somebody sent me one. Uh, a band who actually played uh, at Ham Festival week, of which you were there. Oh, go on. Yeah, oh, it was lovely. Yeah, the uh, band called The Tall Trees who played. Cool, nice. And I, I said I'm going to get them get them in at some point because uh, all three of them. That okay, Callum? <laughs> going to bring three three guys around. Going to get down. <laughs> but yeah, he's. Uh, do you mind if I read? He's a them? believer. He, he's, he's great. Sorry. Uh, gonna... Give me, give me. Yeah. So it's like, fucking hell, Mikey, I'm really enjoying gigs and ghosts. The amount of goosebumps I've got are unreal. Yeah, boy. And he told me this ghost story of his. It's... And here we go. The house I grew up in, a little back-to-back terrace was haunted. As far back as I can remember, there was always creepy shit happening. The house itself just had a bad fucking energy. And I didn't even realize Ooh. what that meant until I eventually moved out into a regular house. You always felt like you were being watched. Never alone. Always random feelings of dread and proper fucking cold all the time. As a small kid, about six or seven, I used to wake up in the middle of the night to whispering all the time. It sounded like people arguing, but trying to keep it hush. It'd be coming from right behind me sometimes. Oh, that's got, that's got the... <laughs> yeah, that's it gets it. worse, man. It gets worse. My bed used to shake at night. I used to lay there scared shitless. My bed fucking shaking away. The blinds used to do it sometimes too. This one night, I thought, you idiot, it's you who's shaking, not the bed. You know, whacking off or whatever, makes the bed shake. <laughs> yeah. uh, trying to rationalize with myself, so I hopped out of bed and I sat my remote control on the corner post of the bed and watched it <coughs> just getting rattled straight off from the shaking. My mum went mad at me one time because she thought I'd been drawing on her beloved pine bed, probably only just paid off from Littlewoods, like primary color crayon marks. I swore it wasn't me. They started appearing in different places in the house. I thought they could have been oh, some pretty reasonable explanation for them until years later Ooh. when my mum moved away. The same markings appeared on her. Ooh. I pointed them <gasps> no out. No way. Yeah, it gets worse. Oh. <laughs> I pointed them oh. out to her and she went pale. When I was a kid, she used to fob me off when I told her what I'd heard and what I saw, trying to stop me from being scared, I think. It wasn't until we moved out she told me she experienced a lot of stuff herself and ended, getting that, ended up getting the house exercised. Didn't work, though. And it goes on. That's, when I was a teenager... unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, dude. Like, now he moves on to when he was a teenager. 
All Good. sorts of mad shit happened there. My friends now are rich. My wife now saw it all too. Guitars ringing out, string by string. Um, in like rooms where nobody was in. The clasp of my snare drum in my room. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the clasp of my snare drum in my room began randomly releasing the night, being woken up by something shouting in your ear. Mad shit. Fucking hell. Mm -hmm. It goes on. This one time. Me and my mate, about 16, were playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, alone in the house, and we're both falling asleep, sat next to each other. On the couch with the game on pause, woke up to hearing the whispered arguments right behind our, uh, right behind our heads, just like when I was a young kid. Me and my mate were both staring at each other, thinking, what the fuck is that? Almost like we couldn't move and do fuck all apart from look at each other. And then all of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden, the whispering stopped. And it's clear as fucking day. They went, shh, they're awake now. <gasps> oh. <laughs> See, now it made him feel yes. weird. That. And it's the last thing, I'll say honestly, me and Rach started going out at 17, so I had her stopping with me at the house when my mum went to live in Australia with my sister. This one night we were sat eating tea, and all of a sudden the preview box floated off the stand it was on. No way. And smashed against the wall. The TV went off. I pulled out the stand thing, and every single plug had been unplugged from the extended. So weird. I should mention as well. Whilst that my they wife... were there watching it, though. Like, they were while, watching while... It. while they were watching it. That's yeah, a boldy. I... That's a bold, bold ghost. I should mention as well that my wife was the biggest non believer as well before she experienced all sorts of mad shit. Mate. That's Aaron from the Tall Trees. Cheers, Batman. Get, get him on. Get He's, him on. We I need, am going to get him on. We need this in, in real time. I'm going to get the whole band on because he all said that they've got loads of ghost stories. Oh. So, yeah. Oh. Um, so, you're a believer. I like that. I like the fact you're a believer because I had a few people who were scared to admit. Why do you think people are scared to admit? Even if they do believe that they do actually believe in ghosts. I think that people are, are, most people that have experienced something believe, obviously, and most people that that have never seen something are just jealous, and they they you know they would love some sort of confirmation of extra or whatever. But I, I don't I don't know why people find it hard to to accept it for other people. You know what I mean? That's a bit that that you know grinds me is. Some people are staunchly like, no, this is never going to happen. This is never true. And there are other people that hold on to it as if it's uh, a bit of hope. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Some people do, you know, they, they don't, they want, like, maybe they've lost a family member. Like you said, with your, your grandma sitting on your bed. Yeah, exactly. But you say yeah, that could be your emotions playing tricks on you. But in my heart of heart, DJ, I believe that was a ghost of your grandma. I'll take it. You know, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I take it. Do you remember what she said? Along the lines of, "Don't worry, they've got it now. It's like it's going to be all right. Like, don't worry about it. They'll, they'll, they'll do it now." I was like, "All right, that's quite, that's fair quite play. That's fair play, play. yeah, yeah." But again, I don't, I don't know how much of that is is a uh, is what I saw. But I know what I saw. You know, like it's real to me. And I think that's the, the, the other part of it, isn't it? Like people just... I'm seeing you know. a dog. You're seeing a dog? There's two. There's two. Two dogs? Little... 
There's That's a new dog. dog. That beautiful. That's Agnes. Hi, Agnes. She, little rescue puppy. Hello, sweet boy. Gorgeous. There are, all right, okay, so what I want to know is there are reported um, sort of ghost battalions of, of sort of soldiers that are regularly seen and at certain times, at certain points, uh, like, will we'll come out and, and still be there. And there's also reported to be packs of dogs, right? Yeah. So if it's not, is it just a replay of the soul? Is it just like literally the consciousness staying around? Like, what do you think? Is it, well, why can't, you know, why is there no choice involved? Why is some, some of them benevolent and then others, which would like further the cause of it being energy form, you know, the more violent, the bigger the energy you hit a drum, the bigger the wave. You know what I mean? Like, if some of it's benevolent, where where does that where does that all fit in? Totally agree. I had um, Carol Hodge on uh, a few, I think it was like episode three or something, and she's saying that there's a certain sort of stone which they believe works like a almost like a tape, and it re- what was it called? Stone tape theory. Stone tape theory, where something so awful that this sort of stone which is always seems to be on these sites kind of like works as a tip and records it and then just forever is playing it back playing it back because it was just such heightened emotion so much evil shit going down that it's just replayed forever wow i've never i've never heard of that um you can be damn sure i'm looking in yeah it's really stone tape theory yeah she brought up something else up about uh you know when the, the old story of ghosts walking through walls. Yeah. And, uh, that could be a case of it's going through its old steps. And at that point, maybe at one point, there was wall. There was no wall there. That could have been an entranceway. So not actually walking well, through walls. Totally, yeah. totally. That, that's, that's why they do go through walls, isn't it? It's because, you know, like they're not, they're, the walls aren't there. It's still seeing its time. It's not necessarily. And that's, that's another big divide, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. the shh, they're awake now. Like, those ghosts were, were were aware of the present moment. They weren't just going through their steps, walking through walls. Jeffrey turning the hob on, that proves a, 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 a sentience to the point of being able to interact with now, which is not, you know, there's, there's a huge divide of, like, the replay ghosts and then the, the interactives. Oh, 100%. It's like... Um... Maybe Jeffrey was hungry, you know. Maybe he turns the taps on because he wants to wash his hands. But um, I remember... How does he know how to use on? Like, unless he's, a, unless he's died within the last, sort of, you know, 40 years. Or yeah, well, it's, it's an old hob. Years. It's an old hob and, like, the house... It's an old hob. Yeah, yeah. It could have been Jeffrey's hob, man, you know, looking at it. Made of tape stone. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's like uh, my old boss in my first pub job, I, I worked at a place called The Crown, and that was... Odd as shit. And he told me crazy stories about, um, there was a hob story. One day he was doing a line clean and in the kitchen, he just heard all this noise and could smell food cooking. And he went upstairs mm. and, you know, a griddle that he had in like yeah, yeah. the burgers. On that was four smashed eggs just cooking away. Oh, full Ghostbusters. Yeah, big Ooh. time. Ooh. Love it. But he, I mean, he said like when he was doing a, he was doing a line clean once, um, and where all the barrels were. As he was doing it, a lady, an old lady, just walked from behind the barrels 
and said hi, carried on walking. But I mean, pubs have seen pubs have seen shit. They you know, seen you're shit. you're living in a fucking new build cul-de-sac where the last thirty people to walk through there were you know on a trail or. Yeah, you're more likely to see a ghost of a hare, isn't you? Or maybe a deer, like. But if you're in a pub, that's had people there for for hundreds of years. That was a communal living room where everyone's fucking story interwove. Um, uh, yeah, I was I was reading this theory, where where we are on our solar journey, right? Um, we come into because of the actual tilt. We come into like times where if, say, a tragic event happened and that's the epicenter that creates the waves outwards, right? And at certain points, you'll come to within the the same radius as uh, the energy that was created at that time. So I was reading the theory that, and it makes sense to me, that what we see and a lot of what we see could be made up of this excess energy just just interacting with the plane that we live on and, and the plane that it was originally designed for, you know, maybe there's ghosts being projected out through space a, a million miles per minute that, you know, just fucking live out there. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a believer. I, I, I think that's, where's it supposed to go? We're going to, it's mathematically proven that we're going to run into this energy at some point. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's all crazy. And I fucking love it. I love getting to talk to people about it, especially people like you who like have great stories have, great theories and like believe but there's one question which i'm not gonna keep you much longer because you've got shit to do you gotta go out and look all spooky on the streets of brighton i I have to go haunt at least like six kids tonight there's been football against my mondeo for weeks i'm gonna go stand (laughs) in windows "Ah, don't play with that tiny size four use a size five you're big enough "Ah." (laughs) but um there's a question we like to ask each guest would you TJ, of the Barstool Preachers, would you fuck a ghost? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah? Of course. I mean, with, you know, with marital consent and fucking the situation course, yeah. being correct and, you know, it, it being a, a, an entered into freely from, from both parties, fuck yeah, why not? You yeah, know I, what mean, I mean, like... We, we, who, we, would, we, we, who wouldn't? We reached a conclusion a few weeks ago that it is cheating. So yeah, like you say, if you've got consent, bang oh, it's definitely, it's definitely you're still fucking something. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Ectoplasm I guess because, everywhere. Yeah, I guess it, as well as the ghost, you're talking about what animates the exoplasm as well. You know what I mean? You are talking about a soul, a being. So like you know, it's definitely cheating, hundred percent. Kesha loved it. You know the story of Kesha fucking a ghost. Didn't didn't know that. I'll have a look at that tonight, man. Kesha claims right. that she's had sex with a ghost. That was a good time. Did it give her an STD? Because there's lots of people shouting about that in rural churches across the world. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't think it mentions that. Like oh. ghost aids or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I haven't had sex with anyone. It was a demon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a love demon came down. Do you oh. believe in sleep paralysis demons? Do you believe in... The other side of the supernatural, the Slender Man and the Hat Man, and like not just ghosts, but you know, beings. I believe in everything. <laughs> Absolutely everything. Monday's monster, yes. Bigfoot, there. totally. totally. So that's what you have. That's total cryptids, yes. Sleep paralysis demons. I watched a great documentary on that, and a lot of the guests have talked about that, and they've all got the 
They've all got the exact same story, so yeah. Yeah. Don't like it. It's freaky. Scary. Don't like it. Don't like it. Yeah. But TJ, I wanna thank you for joining us on this the Gigs and Ghosts season two, episode two. Like my sign? Love the sign. Love the sign. Love the season, podcast. Season thank you for having me. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, uh, good luck with the new album. I'm very excited to hear it all. Uh, the, the three tracks I've heard so far have been great. The tracks I've heard you play live have all been fucking great. Do you want to tell the people what it's called? Once again, when it's out. Good above, above the static, it's called, and it's out March 31st. Um, yeah, go grab it. It's, uh, it's doing good. And then you're, you're on tour throughout the UK, throughout Europe, throughout America, all year long. And then festival season, and then back to America, and then back to Europe, and then finishing the UK at Christmas. With a gig in Huddersfield. With a gig in Huddersfield. Happening. Lovely. Well, thanks again, man. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Best of luck with the album. Uh, hope you see some ghosts tonight. Have a good time, man. Thank you very much, Mikey. Cheers, Callum. Thank you, mate. This has been Gigs and Ghosts, Season 2, Episode 2, with TJ and myself, Mikey Shiraz. See you next time. Spooky! Okay.